Chapter 13 Spies, Eyes, and Lies May, 1774 Rage and hate consumed the inner parts of Agador Ivy. He knew he would gain the upper hand in his chess game of death with the King's Bane eventually. His emotions simmered. The summer was muggy in Boston, and this was the exact time of the year Major Ivy despised. He was more of a winter man. The killing of the 42 of His Majesty's men outside Boston in the spring gave the Major General a narrative for the troops to rally behind. He also blamed the unresolved murder of Captain Valet upon the King's Bane, giving the soldiers fierce motivations for rooting out the rebel bandits completely. Since the ambush, they have been quiet in the streets of Boston. The colonial loyalists are increasing due to the conflicts between colonial civilians and the British military. The city has become unsafe for outspoken colonial loyalists, as Major General Ivy has been strictly enforcing new laws and rules in the city since his arrival. The Crown gave him free reign in the colonies, and the King ensured all governing officials in the colonies were aware of his arrival last winter. Whatever is necessary, the King's command repeated in Agador's mind. He knew the King was being humiliated by the King's Bane rebels, and he was sent from God to destroy them the crown being the hand of God. Agador was on a spiritual awakening to restore order to Boston and bring pride upon the crown once more. The King's Bane went into hiding, becoming shadows, only maneuvering through the streets of Boston if needed. But it was not enough. Major General Ivy has tripled the day and night patrols providing roving platoons instead of a few roving sentries. The inflow of British foot soldiers within the congested town of Boston made it extremely difficult for any sort of colonial resistance to stew. Adahi quickly realized their plan to stay in the city was not viable. They needed to move their location out of the city, and it was only a matter of time before they began searching each building door to door. Thomas informed him of a tavern just west of Boston that was owned and operated by colonial loyalists. The family carried the last name Mullen and they owned a string of bars and taverns along the eastern coast from Boston to Georgia. Adahi told Thomas he encountered a man named Daniel Mullen in the Carolinas on his initial travels after leaving his home. Thomas broke down to Adahi how the family was fundamentally key in their movement across the colonies. They provided sanctuary for rebels on the move. Not only would they provide shelter, but food and drink as well. It all seemed to make sense to Adahi why the old barkeep Daniel Mullen was the way he was. Just across the muddy river in Brookline stood Mug Tavern, a decently-sized tavern that housed roughly 30 to 40 patriots each night who despised King George III and the entirety of the crown. It was just a place for the King's Bane to lay low for a while. Boston was no longer an option. The four riders moved with haste to Brookline with Adahe and Raven leading. The summer night air is smooth and slightly cool as it flux on the riders' exposed skin. The hardened clay road leading west out of Boston was well-traveled during the day, but a night was full of scum. The four riders moved quickly through the darkness. It was only a matter of minutes, and they arrived on the outskirts of the small town. Whoa, girl, Adahe says, pulling the reins back, bringing Raven to a slow walk. The others follow his lead and bring their horses to a slow walk. The bridge leading into Brookline is just a few hundred yards away, and Adahe knows if they go into the town together, a spy for the crown will eventually spot them. He didn't trust anyone other than the names his uncle gave him. The Major General has embedded eyes everywhere. He stops Raven and turns her toward the others. We must not go together. 
The Major General has his eyes everywhere, and the four of us stand out like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I'll go alone to the Mug Tavern and find Wilford Mullen and inform him of our business, Addy says to the others. Right. While you're doing that, we're going to go just past this tree line in those woods yonder, James Robinson points to the forest. Very well, Addy replies, turning Raven toward the road. Oh, and Adahi, bring us a back a bottle of Madeira, Shakespeare says surely and smiles. Adahi chuckles. You got it, old man. He clicks his teeth together and speeds off with Raven toward Brookline. Major General Agador Ivy has implanted spies into every tavern within the immediate areas surrounding Boston. With the coin from the king, he employed not only royalist spies, but patriot spies as well. He knew the king's bane would be operating underground, silently. It would most likely turn up at a tavern, brothel, or eventually in some sort of fashion. Excuse me, sir, man says, opening the door to the office. What is it? The vile Major General asked. Uh, there is someone here to see you. They claim to know the King's Bane current location as of just a few hours ago. The sentry guard says quickly. Send them in. The Major General replies as a man comes walking into the office. The door is closed behind the man, then he speaks. I, I can help you. Is that so? Agador replies. I know the King's Bane. I've seen them, the skittish man says. Ah, I too. I've seen them with my eyes, he replies quickly to the intimidated man. It was a large African man who was middle-aged, a young native with numerous muskets, a white man with, with, with gray hair who looked middle-aged as well, and a woman with white hair and a large scar on her neck. The four of them were in the tavern this day, breaking fast and drinking spirits, the man says pleadingly. The Major General's attitude loosens as the pathetic man describes the unique four individuals he personally saw row down the river that fateful spring day in the forest near Brookline. Taking the skittish man once more seriously, after hearing his words, the Major General grabs parchment paper and pen. You say they are in Brookline, at Mug Tavern, do you? Uh, uh y y yes sir, he shakingly replies. Very good, you will be well rewarded. Captain Bates. Take this man to the dispensary and reward him, the Major General commands as the newly appointed captain walks into the office. He stood tall and was handsome by most standards. Captain Rutherford Bates was a tough, heartless, cold bastard who relished in his hateful lore. A devilish smile creases into his face as he leads the skittish man out of the office. The narrow roads in Boston were not organized in any particular manner, and Captain Bates was not leading this man to the dispensary. After several minutes, they were nearing the northern sector of Boston along the docks. The British officer walks to the dimly lit corridor and opens a wooden door, holding it for the man to enter the old building. After you, Captain Bates says politely. The man walks into the room and immediately notices it is not the dispensary and tries to exit quickly. Captain Bates steps into the doorway holding a dagger firmly as a man steps forward, absorbing the sharp steel in his gut. The blade slices his flesh like butter, tearing the man's internal organs apart upon entry. A look of shock consumes his face as blood begins exiting his mouth and his life begins to fade. The captain removes the blade, pushing the lifeless body back into the dank, dark room. He closes the door, cleans, then sheathes his blade. Grabbing his cossack, he dons his hood and begins his casual walk back to the barracks.
Candles slowly drip used wax down their candle bras, illuminating the commander's quarters with a golden sheen resting upon the room. The Major General's mind is steadily focused on organizing an ambush these petty rebels will not walk away from. The menacing looks on his face sit familiar as he contemplates his next move. The doors open abruptly to the commander's quarters, and in walks Captain Bates with a gratifying look in his eyes. Is it done? The Major General asks his officer without disconnecting his focus from the map he is analyzing. Yes, sir. Captain Bates replies coldly. Now, we move forward with apprehending these traitorous colonists. These fools will soon feel the wrath of the extent of disturbing our king, Agador says, placing the map of Brookline onto the table, looking up to the captain. Yes, sir. We will see it through.